Hello, Internet, and welcome to this episode of Geeks Grading Geekdom, the show podcast kind of thing. I am Wes Yehola, and every week I and whoever I can never manage to rope in to join me, because scheduling is sometimes very hard, we're going to be talking about something in the wide, wide world of geekdom and give it a grade. So this means movies, TV shows, books, comics, whatever else that we put our focus on. This week, the focus is all on the second Shazam movie, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Shazam! I want to let you know I'm making two versions of this. The streaming show is going to be completely spoiler-free. So if you're sitting down on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday listening to this, then no spoilers on this. For the version that I'm going to put up for download, I'm going to be tacking on another section at the very end that will have spoilers for the folks who have seen the movie, and I can go into some more details about things. So that said, let's first get into some background for the main character here. That is Shazam himself, the child Billy Batson, also known as Captain Marvel, or used to be. If you've only seen the first movie, Shazam, you may not know the actual name of the character as it originally was. This has become something of a minefield, but I'll get there. Originally, when he was created way back in 1939, this guy was known as Captain Marvel. The character was the invention of writer Bill Parker and artist C.C. Beck, and he made his first public appearance in Wiz Comics number two. Captain Marvel's origin story, it's really just straightforward. Young orphan Billy Batson selling newspapers on the street is approached by a weird stranger who lures him down into the subways. Yeah, today this would be a human trafficking story, but back then it was a way to get Billy into a weird, impossibly Art Deco subway train that took him off to meet the old wizard Shazam. And a side note, years ago, my wonderful parents gifted me a hardbound copy of the DC Archive Editions Shazam Volume 1. This collection had the Captain Marvel stories from Wiz Comics issues 2 through 14 and included his origin, which is really just as simple as I said, and that Art Deco train looks really Art Deco. So Billy meets the wizard, learns that he's 3,000 years old, and he has protected the world as best he could using the powers of six, quote, gods. How he got these powers from them and what exactly he's been up to are not explained, but this was a comic book from the Great Depression. No one really cared about all those kinds of details. On with the superhero action, please. So this wizard has picked this young orphan who, per canon, sleeps in the subway stations to inherit his power and become the new champion of the world. He explained how his name, the wizard's name, was an anagram of the gods from whom he took his power. That's the Wisdom of Solomon, which will become a very, very big deal later. And also Solomon wasn't a god, but uh, Great Depression comic books moving on. The other letters in Shazam's name represent the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, also a plot point in the movies, the power of Zeus, that's vague but okay, the courage of Achilles, another not actually a god but all right, and the speed of Mercury, which is dead on a thing. So again, here's the roll call. Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury. The wizard then commands Billy to say my name. Shazam! Billy does, a lightning bolt strikes him, and when the dust clears, he's in his trademark red costume, white cape, and yellow lightning bolt emblem on his chest. The wizard gives him a pep talk about his responsibility and sends him back to his, well, honestly pathetic little life as a homeless newsie. But... In this same story, Billy picks up on a tip 
about an evil scientist, Sylvanas. He tracks him down and foils the scheme and then secures steady work in the ever-dependable field of radio news. Yep, Billy Batson, an orphan without guardian who seems that me maybe 12 years old, maybe older, it's hard to tell, but he is hired as a roving radio reporter, often depicted with a radio broadcasting pack on his back. So this concept of a young kid who could say a magic word and become a grown-up superhero struck a chord with the comic book buying public. Over the next few years, Captain Marvel became amazingly popular. He had spinoffs almost immediately. The first, I think, was Freddie Freeman, who was another teenage newsie. He had a lame leg that made him need a crutch to get around, except when he said the magic word and became Elvis's favorite superhero, Captain Marvel Jr. Yes, that's why Elvis, young Elvis was wearing that lightning bolt around his neck in the Elvis movie from last year. It's because of Captain Marvel Jr. And, you know, even though Freddie was probably older than Billy Batson, it always looked that way to me, he was the junior. No, no. Also, his costume was mostly blue, where Captain Marvel Sr. was mostly red. And, of course, he didn't need his crutch, which begs the question, why didn't he just stay super all the time? And, well, comic books, I guess that's why. And, oh, and there's this. Instead of saying the magic word Shazam to go from lame newsy to superhero, Freddy had to say Captain Marvel, which makes it weird. How would he tell any reporter his name without transforming back to Freddy? Again, it was the early days of superhero comic books, so I'm probably overthinking this, but you know, feel free to join me if you want to. These issues, both of them actually, have been addressed in more modern times, so that's not really a thing anymore, but it just stuck in my head when I started researching this. The other big sidekick that Captain Marvel got was Mary Marvel, who was actually Billy's long-lost sister. I'm ready for the soap opera music. This sister had been adopted by some rich folks and had no idea she had a brother. Maybe, I guess, they didn't either, or they decided they just wanted to pick one. Don't know. Comic book circumstances, though, push Billy to tell Mary about the Shazam thing. She says the word. She gets hit by lightning and is transformed into Mary Marvel. Because I guess a secret identity only needs to go so far sometimes. I I don't know. She had a red suit with a lightning bolt on it, but, of course, it was a skirt. Because FDR was president and pockets for women were probably against the law. She kicked ass anyway. In her first fight, <laughs> Mary Marvel says, and I quote, I'm a girl, so I must have my dancing lesson. And then she literally kicks a bad guy right in the fucking face. You go, Mary Marvel. These three, that's Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., and Mary Marvel, form the core of what eventually became known as the Marvel family. And as time and the need for Fawcett Comics to expand the line and take advantage of a hit, they were the publishers of Captain Marvel and all of them, they were joined by Uncle Marvel. God, Uncle Marvel. This was Dudley H. Dudley, and thanks to a weird accident, he wormed his way into the graces of the other Marvels who, thanks to their wisdom of Solomon, let him in as sort of a mascot slash manager, even though he had no powers at all. But that was fine comic relief in what was already kind of a comical kind of comic book, which is a little too on the nose? I don't know. Later came the Lieutenant Marvels, and this story is just, is just great. So Sylvanas, he figured out that Captain Marvel was Billy Batson. 
He figured this out. Smart supervillain scientist engineer kind of guy. He's trying to kill Billy Batson because Captain Marvel keeps spoiling his schemes. So he kidnaps everyone he can find with that name. He's like the Terminator hunting Sarah Connor in that first movie. Just ripped out a page in the phone book and went from Billy Batson to Billy Batson to Billy Batson. He got the right one, but he also got three others that were not our Billy Batson. They were, according to the story, Tall Billy... Hillbilly and Fat Billy. And the only reason I mention them is because they they really existed in these Fawcett comic books, and because two or maybe all of them may have been kind of adopted for the movies, or maybe the movies just adopted the idea of there being three Lieutenant Marvels, not counting Dudley, that's six Marvels, which matches what we get in the movies. So that could be the case. I don't know, but... Oh, Hillbilly, Tallbilly, and Fatbilly. These four Billy Batsons are all tied to a log about to be cut up in a sawmill. So Billy said, Shazam, but the noise of the sawmill drowned him out. So he convinced the other three to join with him, and they did. And of course, that meant they all got Captain Marvel powers, they called themselves the Lieutenant Marvels, and they showed up in the comics for a long while. Comics during World War II and right after were sometimes very, very weird. But uh, it, you know, despite what, you know, looking on, back on it all these decades later, things that we consider weird and lame and silly, the Captain Marvel comics were a huge phenomenon, a giant hit. I mean, they sold in the tens of millions each and every month. This, of course, irritated their competitors. That in particular being DC. Uh, DC at this point wasn't DC just yet. They were still called National Comics, but they were the owners and the publishers of Superman. You might have heard of him. Last son of the planet Krypton. He had super strength and vulnerability, super speed. It's pretty smart. Many of the same characteristics as Captain Marvel, whose comics hit the stand over a year after Mr. Kent's. So when DC slash National Comics learned Captain Marvel was outselling their flagship superhero, they did the only American thing to do. They sued. There's a lot involved in the DC versus Fawcett Comics lawsuit, but here's the gist. DC said Captain Marvel was an obvious ripoff of Superman. The powers, the secret identity, the look. It could all confuse the consumer into thinking that Mr. Shazam was the same thing as Mr. Kent. As a comic book fan, once again, looking back 80 years after the fact, I find the whole argument ridiculous. The U.S. courts did not see it the same way, though. After a long while, the judge eventually ruled that Captain Marvel was indeed a copy of Superman. However, Fawcett actually won that trial because of a technicality with the use of a copyright symbol or lack thereof on National Comics' part. So DC, of course, immediately appealed. The decision was reversed. The judge in the case ordered Fawcett to cease all of its publications and pay DC for the damage it owes. Fawcett settled and then went out of business. The Big red cheese of Captain Marvel, along with all the other assorted Marvels, stopped showing up on newsstands in 1954. Well, when you have intellectual property that you've been publishing and you cease publication of that intellectual property, you risk losing the copyright to said intellectual property. Turns out that no one paid any attention to Captain Marvel and his whole family over the next few years after this lawsuit. 
So it shouldn't come as a surprise when I tell you that not too very long after all of this, someone noticed that the copyright to the name Captain Marvel had expired because no one had renewed it. Who noticed? Marvel Comics in 1967, that same year they introduced their character, the alien Marvel. This guy has nothing to do with Shazam, except he was given the superhero name Captain Marvel. That name ended up being transferred from him to Monica Rambeau in the comics, to Carol Danvers in the comics, all to maintain copyright. Now, whether you think this is good business or claim jumping, that's up to you, but that's how it turned out, and that's why we have Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel in the MCU and not wearing a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. DC Comics bought the rights to the character in the 1960s, and they maintain him. So they've got Captain Marvel. They call him Shazam now because of copyrights, but they, they have him. It seems like they've long been at a loss to what to do with the character. This, uh, this guy is so similar to Superman, just a, a different, but... A big, strong guy with a whole bunch of powers like Superman is a big, strong guy with a lot of powers. They've tried, and some of the attempts have resulted in really, really good stories. Kingdom Come has a great use of Shazam right next to Superman. It's fantastic. And there's other examples out there, too. I'm not saying they have never been able to do anything with Shazam. I'm saying there has, they haven't found a niche for him that has really, really stuck around and gotten really popular. Uh, they did do things with him. He had a Saturday morning live action series where Billy roamed the country in a van with a mentor named Mentor. That wasn't a stutter. Mentor was his name, probably not his government name, as they say. But the pair of them would pull into some place, get involved with some local trouble, and Billy would say the word, and Captain Marvel would save the day. This was 1974-ish, and I have seen a few episodes of it, as I recall. It wasn't half bad for the time and for the budget they probably had for a Saturday morning kids show. Captain Marvel was reportedly part of some low-budget made-for-TV action comedy specials. I have no memories of those. I just found this when I was doing some research on there. Captain Marvel reportedly was part of some low-budget made-for-TV action comedy specials. I have no memories of those. I only came across them on a list of appearances when I was seeing uh, what all he had been involved in. He also had a cartoon show in the early 80s. He was featured in one episode of the great Justice League Unlimited cartoon of the early 2000s. And there's another long list of DC cartoons he's made appearances in, DC animated movies he's been in. So he's 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 been used, certainly, and used well in many, many cases, but nothing in the comics seems to have struck any kind of chord like he had in his early days. Be all of that as it may, the character is still still generally solid at the core. Billy Batson, a young teenager, can speak a magic word, transform into a full-blown adult superhero with a laundry list of powers. Uh, who wouldn't love that? As a character, I give him a great B-plus on this. Maybe even an A-minus, but some of the things that has come up and not stuck in all the unevenness of the past decades has brought that down a little bit. No shame there. But... This all brings us to his most contemporary presentation. The first movie came out in 2019, and I'll say it kept true to the theme and feel of Billy Batson Shazam's origin. He's an orphan. He ends up in a foster home with five other kids, one of them named Freddie Freeman and another named Mary. 
He wants nothing to do with any of this or them, but he does help when bullies knock Freddy down, kick his cane away, and start delivering a vicious beating onto him. And I mean, Billy helps out Freddy, not the bullies. This is something that leads the wizard to bring him in, grant him the powers, and then die before explaining those powers and how to use them. Perhaps he figured the wisdom of Solomon would come into play for that. Not so much. That brings me to a core problem with his character and why his grade wasn't higher. The Fawcett published comics did a really good job of showing Billy and Captain Marvel as two distinct people who had the same sense of goodness, the same moral character. But Captain Marvel is not just Billy Batson in a grown-up body with superpowers. The movies and some other comic presentations don't make that kind of distinction. And by not, they all but ignore the whole wisdom of Solomon power. In his third appearance, Captain Marvel used his wisdom of Solomon to design and build a spaceship from scraps, and it worked. That's the level of smarts I'm talking about here, a level the Shazam of the movies isn't even close to. There was another time when Billy needed to pass a college entrance exam to go undercover for a thing, and he used the Captain Marvel power. He did say, well, we're the same person, so it's not cheating. Eh, well, but he was able to ace those with 100% on everything. Shazam, Captain Marvel, is smart. He is brilliant, all right? And the movie isn't doing that. And in fact, the, in the movies, Billy seems like he's smarter than Shazam. There's also a moment in the first film where the courage of Achilles seems to go missing too, but yeah, moving on from that. Frankly, I think the smartest thing Shazam does in the first movie, unless I'm remembering wrong, and it was Billy's idea, was to share the power with the other five foster kids to make a team for the big climactic fight. The other three, by the way, uh, in addition to Freddie and Mary, are Pedro, Eugene, and Darla. The situation with Shazam's wisdom that I'm talking about, though, has not improved in the second movie, which now it's finally time to get to. The title of it, Shazam Fury of the Gods, has us learn that the team and family are still together, and I like that connection. Uh, they aren't really all that great at being superheroes, which would make some kind of sense with them being just so young. Mary, I think, is the oldest and is evidently 21 years old. Uh, except they should all, when super, have the wisdom of Solomon. When Billy shared his power, it didn't dilute his in the movie. I know the comics have a different rule about that, but we're talking just about the movies right here. They should all be as at least as smart as Tony Stark. And we could quibble the difference between what's wisdom versus what's intelligence, but in the Shazam lore, it's always been pretty clear that it's the same thing. They're, they're not splitting the hairs here about Intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing you don't put a tomato in a fruit salad. So there's, I've got more on all of that. But the basic plot of Fury of the Gods, and I checked the trailers to make sure I'm not about to tell you anything that they didn't show, goes like this. The daughters of Atlas are pissed because the human wizard stole the powers of the gods. That includes them. Now they've a chance to strike back and reclaim those powers from the children the wizard gave them to. Children stole the power of the gods. You ripped it from our father's core. There's an additional thing, but since the trailers don't mention it, I won't hear. That'll have to be for the download version. Why this is the time for the villains to act and where they've been all these centuries before now, 
They're well explained in the movie. No fault there. I get it. I bought it. It made sense to me. And by the way, speaking of the villains, the villains are played by Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu, and I'm real, real happy with their performances. I love it when I don't recognize the actor because all I see is the character they're playing. And in this case, they both looked a little familiar to me as the movie went on, but I didn't devote any energy into trying to figure out who they were because who they were were deadly and serious villains. And they make a fair point about their motivation, which is great, except for how it contrasts so starkly with the heroes, mainly Shazam. He is goofy to the point of distraction. He's trying, he's earnest, but he's just goofy, and more so as Shazam the hero than as Billy Batson. The other Marvels don't seem to have this problem. Freddy is all in on the superhero thing, but can't keep his ego even in the slightest bit of check. Mary seems to understand the good she can do, but would probably rather be doing something else like college. She's the smartest of the bunch, and the film makes absolutely sure you know that. The other three, it's kind of hard to tell because they just didn't have a whole lot to do to the point that when I initially wrote that last sentence, I first wrote the other two, on the other hand. They aren't useless, and in fact, one of them makes a crucial discovery because of something responsible that he's been doing that the others haven't, and another is absolutely critical in the last act. But six superheroes is a crowd of superheroes. There's probably a collective name for them that hasn't been coined yet, or I just don't know. But most of the time, the focus is on the big three. That's Billy, Mary, and Freddy, and their superhero alter egos. But it's Billy's Shazam who was goofy in the first movie and just hasn't moved much beyond that. Isn't it time you learned to take some responsibility for yourself, Billy? Isn't it time you grew up a little? He has doubts that he's doing things right, and he's not really. I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? He is trying. I give him full marks for that. But there's another moment when that Courage of Achilles thing seems to run out of gas on him. I can't do this. Take my powers back. You gave them to me, so you can take them back, right? I get, I guess, what the producers and writers were trying to do, showcase how Shazam is really just a 17-year-old kid gifted with superpowers. But Shazam is, in these films, is written and portrayed more like a 12-year-old. It just isn't convincing. It's He's just too goofy, even when he's being serious. I'm an idiot. And let me be clear right here. I am not faulting Zachary Levi's acting at all. The producers and director clearly wanted that kind of Shazam, and Levi's performance for that kind of Shazam is spot on. It's just I think the decision to make Shazam that way was a poor decision. If the villains had been at all comedic, this might have worked. I can really imagine Levi Shazam confronting Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor and Otis, and and it working, at least enough to be entertaining without a distracting and severe contrast of tone. But as I said, the villains in Fury of the Gods are not at all comedic. The only time this contrast comes close to working is when Shazam is meeting with Helen Mirren's character. Give us the powers, child. You are very menacing. I just want you to know that. It comes back to the whole Wisdom of Solomon thing. The DC.fandom entry about Shazam's powers says this about the Wisdom of Solomon. Quote, 
Due to Solomon's blessing, Shazam has instant access to a vast level of scholarly knowledge. Billy describes this ability as a feeling and a moral compass, close quote. DC's official page is very vague in general about all his powers, so perhaps they don't have to keep updating it. But I went to the Captain Marvel Shazam Wikipedia page. It goes even further, referencing Wiz Comics number 18, which says, in part, he possesses excellent mental acuity and nearly infallible wisdom, including an innate understanding of virtually all known languages and sciences, and has a full photographic memory and perfect recall, being able to retain full knowledge of all he experiences with perfect clarity. From this, he can read and decipher any coding, solve long mathematical equations instantaneously, and make intuitive guesses based on limited data, which are almost always correct. Close quote. None of this is on display in the movie, or the last one. But I did have hopes that maybe they would have let him grow into something a little wiser than a tween in between the movies, but they didn't, and the film suffers for it. You think I know how to fix this dude, but I really don't. Visually, I'm going to say this film is stunning. The costumes for the Marvels work, even if they might remind you a little of the Power Rangers because of all the colors, but that's fine. The monsters that you get a glimpse of in the trailers look great too, so maybe the effects budget went up for this film, and that big bad dragon is also convincing and scary. It's well done. It's great. Which is another thing. This film, like the first, seems to be trying to be both a fun kid superhero movie and a horror movie all at the same time, and the alchemy just isn't coming together very well. The fight scenes are spectacular. I have a personal thing about superhero battles in urban areas. My mind <laughs> can't help but think of things like, how many people were in that office building that Shazam just bull-rushed the dragon through? And how many people were maybe just killed by falling debris from all of that chaos and destruction? And Sometimes the writers make a point to explain why a fight has to happen where it does in superhero comics and movies and everything. In Superman 2, in fact, Clark actually tried to draw the villains out of Metropolis and people thought he was running away. But in this film, I was satisfied with why the fight couldn't happen somewhere else. And there was a reason for it. But I really wish some of the wisdom of Solomon had been devoted to making a better strategy where innocents were in less peril from the fight. But I do get it was story reasonable why it had to be right there. And for all of those things that I wonder about, I could come up with rationalizations like the buildings and streets are empty because everyone was evacuating. But you know, first off, I shouldn't have to really. And second, the same reason the fight couldn't be somewhere else also made it more unlikely than usual that everyone had evacuated and gotten away and gotten out to safety. And other than the goofiness and the clashing tones, the general story, if you just step back and look at the bones of that, is good. I do have a short list of particulars that bothered me, but those all involve spoilers, so I'm going to be saving them for the on-demand version of this podcast. One in particular made me briefly flash on Ryan George and his catchphrase, and if you haven't ever gone to his pitch meeting YouTube channel, do yourself the favor of going and watching a few of his pitch meetings. You'll understand fully what I mean when I say that the heroes had what seemed to be a big problem, but solving it turned out to be super easy barely an inconvenience. There was some product placement also, but I don't find that kind of thing distracting. Your mileage may vary on that. So that wraps things up just about, except for the grade. What grade do I give Shazam Fury of the Gods? 
Shazam's goofiness and the overall absence of the wisdom of Solomon dropped this a whole letter grade just all on its own. All the things on that list that I mentioned uh, kept chipping away at that as well, some more than others. The acting is solid, Helen Mirren most especially, and the villains and their motivation are tight. That brought the grade up back a little bit. But there's one other particular thing that knocked it down significantly all on its own, too. It may not be a thing that would bug you, so remember that. But it did me, and I think it's something that is was completely out of character and made for an unnecessary stain on one of the secondary characters. So, all that considered, I give Shazam! Fury of the Gods a C+. As always, feel free to let me know how wrong or right you think I am. The text line is 901-878-9420, and the email address, if you have something very long to say, is mail at drakehallmemphis.com. And another reminder, if there's any topic in the wide world of geekdom you would like for me to address and grade, please let me know that too. For now, thank you for listening. I am Wes Yehola, and I hope this was worth your valuable time. This is Drake Digital.